Hey, hey, I'm Chris Bradley, and with over 10 years of experience in the music business, I went from struggling singer-songwriter to a six-figure producer with credits including Sony, Miramax, Lincoln, Warner Chapel PM, Rolling Stone Magazine, and USA Network. And this is the Produce Like a Boss podcast, where we discuss the business, mindset, and strategies it takes to go pro as a musician and songwriter by developing and mastering the skill of music production. If you'd like to learn how to produce, please visit our website at producelikeaboss.com slash workwithme for a plethora of free resources and tutorials to help you learn how to start producing your own music today. This is the Produce Like a Boss podcast. Really quick, before we jump into the show, I just want to take a second and thank our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Slate Digital and the All Access Pass. So many people ask me, what's in my tool belt? And what are some of the third-party plugins that I go crazy for? And I don't skip a beat when I say Slate Digital All Access Pass is the cat's pajamas when it comes to producer tools. Now, with this pass, you're going to get access to over $5,000 worth of pro plugins since pro demo sessions in hip-hop, rock, and EDM, and amazing step-by-step walkthroughs with pro producers, easy-to-follow tutorials, and custom samples. And not only that, a lot of their software is modeled off of vintage analog gear that gives your track that pro polish and shine. So head over to producelikeaboss.com slash slate digital and get your first six months for only $9.99 a month. Hey there, friend. Listen, before we get into the episode today, we have a new feature that I'd love to invite you to be a part of. If you visit producelikeaboss.com slash podcast, there is now an option where you can click to send me an audio file. That means you can send me a question. That means you can send me a comment and I may even select it to be live on the show. How freaking cool is that? Also, please don't hesitate to leave us a review. If you are sponging what I'm spilling over here on the P-Lab podcast, podcast, please head over to Apple iTunes and leave a five-star review. This helps us to reach more people. And of course, please send us a screenshot to support at producelikeaboss.com, letting us know you left your review and you will be entered automatically to win a one-on-one business consultation with me. This is where we can go over your music. We can go over your website, whatever you like, boo. Speaking of five-star reviews, I want to take a second and read this one. It says, the Produce Like a Boss podcast, thanks to Chris Bradley, is everything a singer-songwriter could ask for when just getting into music production and recording. Not only does she provide crucial information in an easy-to-understand, digestible way, but she really gives insight and motivation when it comes to things that would otherwise be daunting. Thanks, Chris. This is exactly what a budding recording artist-producer needs. Oh, well, thank you so much. Hey, hey, you guys. Oh, I am so excited for today's episode. I've been wanting to get this man on the podcast for quite some time now. I swear every time I hear him talk or I get to have a conversation with him, I just feel like I'm talking to a brother from another mother. He is not only a super talented producer, but he's also a very passionate entrepreneur and marketing expert. And I know y'all have heard me talk about, you know, oh, you could do six figures with your music, man. You can make six figures as a beat maker. Well, how about seven figures? Yeah. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, my friends. All right, without further ado, let's just jump right into this episode. This is episode number 48, an interview with Legion Gabe. Is leasing beats the wave of the future? Do it like a, like a, like a boss. Like a, like a boss. Do it like a, like a, like a boss. Like a boss. 
Hey, hey, everybody. Listen, I am so, so excited for today's guest, Legion Gabe. Gabe Schillinger is a music producer who has worked with some of the biggest names in hip hop like Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar, and Too Short. His music production business is called Legion Beats. And in addition to that, he also teaches entrepreneurs in music and other industries how to grow and scale their businesses. Welcome to the show, Gabe. Chris, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Man, I'm I'm so excited. I got to say, um, I've been a fan for a while. I actually got to catch you speak at the marketing conference Funnel Hacking Live in early 2020. And your story is just so inspiring, um, not only as a producer and musician and human, but as an entrepreneur. So let's let's start there. Tell me, tell us about you and your journey from uh, music producer to entrepreneur. Man, so for me, you know, I've been a producer and engineer for like 20 years now. And so the first, I don't know, probably probably close to 15 years of that, most of most of my career, I was not an entrepreneur. I was not a marketer. I, I didn't consider myself a business owner. I did have a recording studio, so technically I was a business owner, but I didn't identify that way. I was just, I just wanted to be in the studio and, and make music. And um, that was fun and I liked it. And it was, you know, for, for a long time and, and I love making music and I love being in the studio, but I started to realize like, okay, I'm approaching, you know, 30 years old. I can't, you know, I'm not, I can't make a living from this. So it's time to grow up and get a real career and I'll keep making music, you know, keep making music for fun. And so that was where I thought I was at. Okay. I got to give up on this dream. And then it was kind of like, well, maybe I can, maybe I can try selling beats online, you know, which is something that I certainly didn't invent. There's literally hundreds of thousands of producers at that time, if not millions, there's millions now. Um, But I, you know, I, I just hadn't gone that route before and I tried it and it changed my life because it went, you know, from me not thinking of myself as a marketer, an entrepreneur, any of those types of things to, you know, I got a couple sales and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like, let me, let me see if I can get a little more traffic to my beat store or whatever. And I probably, I probably literally Googled how to market or something. You know, I don't even know. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd be curious to go back and find it, but um I just started looking for answers and I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. And then I started learning a little bit more and seeing what other producers were doing and seeing they're almost all doing the exact same thing. And then, you know, eventually coming across uh, my now friend, Adrian Anodomini and seeing how he was doing things completely different. The way he had his whole, the page set up, he was telling his story, he was offering way more value. He was just on a completely different level as far as how he'd set up his business. And then that opened up my eyes to funnels and direct response marketing, this whole, this sort of like new marketing stuff. And I was just like, this this is so fun. I love this. And for the first time, or I should say for the first time, but my music was getting to more and more people and I was actually making money and I was enjoying that process, the entrepreneurial process for the first time, which I never would have identified myself as being somebody who would have any interest in any of that. You, you mentioned that you, you know, saw me speaking at that conference. Like even the idea of me speaking on stage, even on a podcast was something that would never have been on my radar not that long ago. I don't know, you know, six or seven years ago when I, when I first started selling beats online, like not at all. That wasn't something yeah. that I had any interest in, but as I did it, it became really fun and rewarding. And, and now it's kind of turned into this whole other thing. And I'm, I'm super grateful for that. I love that. And I love what you're saying. Cause like, you're like, well, you know, um, it's not for a while that, you know, I became an entrepreneur and it's like, well, actually I always had a business. And I always say, man, musicians are the only entrepreneurs that don't know they're entrepreneurs, right? Like they're the only yeah. businesses that don't know they're in business <laughs> until there's that like aha moment when you realize like, oh, if I want to make money with this, I have to treat this like a business. And it sounds like you had that aha kind of kind of simultaneously with discovering beat leases. 
A hundred percent. And you know what? I'll, I'll add to that because that is funny because I did have a business and right. I didn't know it. Um, but also I feel like a lot of times producers, you know, any, any creative people, they have all this creativity. They have all this energy um, and passion that they put into their art, into their music, right? But then it comes to marketing and they do the exact same thing as everybody else. And there's no passion, there's no excitement, there's no creativity. It's like, no, you have, you've honed the skill. If you're a producer, you have already honed the skills that you need to be successful as an entrepreneur. You just need to have that little tiny mindset shift to where like, oh wait, now let me apply this over here. Let me have fun. Let me be creative in this space. And to me, that was like the, the magic formula where everything kind of took off from there. Oh my gosh, 100%. You know, and like you said, it's the mindset stuff. You stop saying things like, I don't like social media. It should just be about the music. It's like, oh, you're missing it. You have such an opportunity here, man. If you think creating a song is cool, like creating a business is cool. It's the same thing. Like there was nothing there. And then you came in with your creativity. And now there's this like amazing thing, you know? So I love that. So actually, I would love to talk to you about beat leases because I know that a lot of people in my audience are curious about this and they're not necessarily hip to it yet. Um, I think it's hard for certain producers to wrap their heads around like leasing a track for $49.95 or, you know, or, or $29.95. Sure. Can you talk to my audience about what leasing beats is and how it really works? Yeah. Well, just to give a little context, you know, I had spent all that time, whatever it was, 10, 15 years, just trying to do sort of the industry side of things. So for me, it's, you know, I, I, mainly do hip hop. So I was working with like the Bay Area artists, my local artists here, and then starting to climb up the ladder and I'm working with artists outside the Bay and stuff as well. Um, but it was always just that industry route. And there, there's kind of this perception of like, you're either an industry producer or like an internet producer. And if you're an internet producer, you're not one of the cool kids. It's kind of lame. You're kind of, maybe they'll look over your stuff in the industry because you're doing this other thing. And uh, it's crazy to see how much that has shifted for me personally. And I feel like the conversation in the industry in general, well, now it's like, I have so many producers hitting me up that are at a level that I could never dream of getting in the industry, Grammys, platinum plaques, all this kind of stuff. But they're like, wait a second, you built a seven figure business. You consistently make money. You have a team. You were able to build this big studio. Like, can, can you show me how to do what you're doing? You know, it's, it's yeah. flipped so much, both in my perspective and, and I feel like the industry in general. And so, um, that, that, that was kind of my journey, but I guess as far as the, the concept, you know, it's, it's what's allowed me to, to do all those things, to, to build that seven figure business. And people are like, how are you, how are you selling beats for 49.99? How about 17 bucks? You know, which was yeah. when I did, uh, my, my first six figure launch, which at that time was the first six figure launch for selling a, a beat pack. That beat pack was 17 bucks. And <laughs> yeah, that, that makes that like all that much more impressive. <laughs> we did it. We did two hundred thousand dollars in one week selling a seventeen dollar beat pack. Wow! And so you know, so many people see the tip of the iceberg. They see that ad or that sales page for seventeen bucks, and they're like, "And I heard all these things. You're ruining the industry. You will never make any money. You'll never be successful. You must be desperate. Your beats must be garbage." You know you'll never make a living and you're taking food out of my kids' mouths by, you know, selling mm -hmm. beats for, for, you know, cheap or whatever. And it's like, no, you're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. We have all this value that we provide. We're not just selling beats. We're, we're providing other value. We're, we're offering information and services and there's a story behind it and all this other stuff so that we can keep offering more stuff. So yes, the first thing is that $17 beat pack, but then it's also 
well, would you like the unlimited licenses? Would you like the trackouts? Um, would you like this other beat pack, right? And so ultimately they could spend a few hundred bucks and over the lifetime value of that customer, it could be thousands of dollars. So you're just kind of seeing the tip of the iceberg. So I think maybe producers might have the perspective, okay, I spent hours on this beat. I spent uh, years learning how to do this. How am I going to sell this for 17 bucks, let's say 27 bucks, you know, 49 bucks. And it's just, again, shifting that mindset of like, oh, wait a second with a beat lease, it's a non-exclusive license, mm -hmm. which means that I can sell that same beat an infinite number of times. And it's nothing shady. There's, they understand the concept. And basically like, you know, when I was just selling beats exclusively back in the day, I would, I would try to get, you know, a thousand, two thousand bucks, three thousand bucks, sometimes more, depending, you know, if it's a label or whatever. Um, and this allows me, it allows an artist to not have to pay that much. They can spend 30 bucks and they have the rights to use that beat. They understand that other people are going to use it as well. But now all of a sudden that one beat, instead of just making me a thousand bucks or 2000 bucks is part of this, this six figure asset that's continuing to make me money. Cause I can, I can keep selling it. I can put it in this beat bundle, you know, with 10 beats, 20 beats, whatever. And then I can put it in this one and I can make it a part of this thing. And so that that's an asset that I've created that can continue to make me money over and over again. I love that. You know, and you're looking at it now. It's not just like, oh, my songs are my babies and being super precious. It's precious. It's like more like you're thinking like an entrepreneur. This is a digital asset. This is something that I'm going to work once and then I can be asleep and it can be making me money over and over. So if we look at it um, in a long term, you know, like I, I think like at this point, you probably don't even want to do exclusives anymore. Someone might offer you a thousand bucks and you're like, no way. The, 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 the lifetime value of this beat is way more than you giving me a thousand dollars or even two thousand dollars right now. So that's exactly. I love I love the way that you put that. And it really does benefit the artist and the producer. Right. Because now the, the artist is like, I can afford this. <laughs> you know, right. it's a little more uh, attainable so and they can release more regularly. But also the producer is like, well, I get to sell this over and over. So it sounds like win win. Yes, 100 percent. So um, could you talk to me about the the difference between going through like a website like BeatStars or SoundClick and setting up um, like your own funnel and your own your own business? So you, you use the word funnel there, which is, you know, close, near and dear to my heart. Uh, you know, we we were at Funnel Hacking Live together. And um, so I think the concept of a funnel is something that is now starting to be a little bit more recognized in our world. But probably still pretty misunderstood. I think people think a funnel is some kind of software um, or even they think a funnel is a certain type of pay web page or something. And to me, a funnel is just explaining the process that your potential customer goes from not having any idea who you are to knowing you, liking you, trusting you, buying from you, and then having this long-term mutually beneficial working relationship. So what does that process look like? What does that customer journey look like? That's, that's all a funnel means. So technically everybody has a funnel. If you, if, if your funnel is, Hey, I'm going to post this beat on YouTube, hope somebody finds it and put the link in the description to my beat store. Hope somebody clicks over and buys, you have a funnel. It's a, it's a really bad funnel. And if you've done that, you <laughs> probably know it's, it's, you're not going to build a six, figure business from it. But that is technically a funnel. You know, if you have a, a sign in front of your store that says, come on in, we've got some good food, whatever, that's your funnel. That's that's how you're getting traffic into your into your place, right? So so that's the first thing is just to clear up like what does that mean? So then it's like, okay, well, 
a funnel just means how do I how do I create that customer journey? But but more importantly, how do I create it on purpose? How do I create it in a way that provides value to that potential customer at every step? How do I do it in a way that guides them in a way that's going to get them the result as efficiently as possible? How can I have the least amount of friction from them getting from point A of not knowing who I am to being that lifetime customer? So then it's, okay, well, let's do this on purpose. Let's say, okay, maybe I'll post that beat on YouTube, but instead of the description uh, going to my beat store, I'm going to say, click here for five free beats. And so already we've, we've changed that process a little bit. So we've already changed the relationship because now we're, we're leading with value. So we're, you know, um, giving something first, which is the right way to start off any relationship, right? Always offer that value first. And you're also going to get, I don't know, 10 times, 20 times, 50 times more people to click that link. Then we're going to click over to your beat store. Right. And then, you know, then it's the next step of the process. Okay. Now from there, where they're clicking over to is not just your beat store where there's, it's like a old school website, right? There's like a menu and a sub menu and there's your social media links and there's a hundred beats in there and there's, there's so much stuff. Right. But when you start getting into the funnel world, you realize there's, there's this old saying, which is a confused mind always says no. So it sounds silly, like, okay, you've got this beat store, there's all these buttons or whatever, but yeah, they'll probably buy some beats. It's like, there's too much going on. They're going to click off, they're going to do something else, they're going to get distracted. But if you give them one call to action, then they're going to do it. If you only tell them to do one thing at a time, then they're much more likely to take that action. So instead of sending them to my beat store, I'm going to send them to what I call an opt-in page, right? Which is just like a very simple page, doesn't really look like what you think of a traditional website. Basically on that page, it's letting them know, hey, enter your name, your email, maybe your phone number, and I will send you those beats. And they can either enter that information or they can leave. There's nothing to distract them. And now instead of maybe 1% of the people going to that beat store and actually making a purchase, which is honestly probably generous, we see, you know, 40, 50, 60, sometimes 70% of the people who go to that page taking that action. So now we've got, you know, 20 times more people clicking that link. Now we've got, you know, whatever it is, five times as many people, 50 times as many people opting in. And I can keep going through, you know, how you could do this whole long process, but you get the the concept, right? Is like, how do I do this on purpose? How do I give more value at every step? And how do I guide that potential customer from step one to step two to, you know, on and on? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 what do you think the value of doing that yourself and having your own website and or funnel is as opposed to or or is it in conjunction with using sites like like a BeatStars or something? Yeah, so I I do both. I say, you know, hey, I want to use all of the platforms that my potential customer is on to bring them into my world. But ultimately I want to bring them into my world. Right. Yeah. I want I want to bring them into a place where I can control it. Right. So I want to get their email. I want to get their phone number. I want to get them onto my platform, onto my funnel, because I can control that process. When when somebody goes to my beat store, I can't I can't really change that. Like BeatStars is great. I have uh, you know, a, a BeatStars store. I'm, I'm, you know, friends with Abe who, who runs BeatStars. It's great. It's great what they do. It's it's a particular service that they do. And we do, you know, I don't know, a few thousand bucks a month off our Beat store, And that's cool. But I really see it as more of a traffic source of like, okay, those people came in. Now I want to send them through our funnel where we're doing those, you know, six-figure launches, where we're doing, you know, tens of thousands of dollars 
regularly per month because that's that's where I can control that journey. That's where I can give the most value and get the most value instead of just like, hey, do you want to yeah. be at least for 30 bucks or 50 bucks or 100 bucks like everybody else? Let me create this journey. Let me put together an offer that includes, yes, some beats, but also includes uh, a training, you know, from produce like a boss that's, you know, going to teach you this thing. And let me also include, uh, um, you know, um, some kind of service that's going to help you get more exposure or whatever, right? I'm, I'm just sort of coming up with different stuff, but it's how can I provide more value? How can I actually create an offer that is, you know, more valuable than just a beat lease like everybody else? Yeah, I love that. And it kind of reminds me too of the difference of like, you know, um, just like, you know, throwing out something like on social media, right? And going like, that's how I'm promoting myself. I share that on Instagram. And it's like, okay, that's great. But like, also you should be focused on your CRM. Like, how are you going to really build a relationship with a customer unless you can get in touch with them, right? Which requires having their contact information. And in order to get that, that requires building trust, showing up with value and I just, I, I let that just like a few clicks just went off and I was like, oh, this is kind of like social media and the email list, but yeah, for, but for, producers, no, and, and, and I think that's a great point. It's, it's, that's another example. Like, you know, I, this is something I learned from Russell Brunson, um, is the difference between traffic you own and traffic that you're borrowing. Right. Yeah. So if you've got followers on Instagram, you've got subscribers on YouTube, that's great. That's where your customers are. That's awesome. Um, but you don't own that traffic, right? Uh, Mark Zuckerberg owns the traffic on Instagram, right? Larry and Sergey, the dudes who run Google, they 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 own that traffic on YouTube, and they can change the rules at any time. And they do. The algorithm changes. Um, they can ban your account. These things happen all the time, right? Yeah. Um, it, it shifts from uh, having organic reach to being a pay-to-play platform, right? It's the natural evolution of of really every social media uh, platform. It's just it's just how it works, right? So you don't control that. So the, what do you control? Well, you control, like you said, your CRM, your, your uh, what is it? Customer relationship management tool, right? The thing where you store yeah. those email yeah. addresses and phone numbers and stuff in, because I can email somebody anytime. I can text them anytime. It doesn't matter if I get, you know, if I get kicked off of uh, MailChimp, then I'll just move over to Active Campaign. If I, you know, yeah. or I'll just, I'll email them from my Gmail, like whatever. I own that relationship. I can nurture that relationship. Now, once I've got their email or phone number, um, but if they're on that other, you know, platform only, then I can't do that, right? So it's a great place to find them. I'm not saying social media is bad. It's great. If that's where your customers are, which they are, if they're on Instagram, if they're on Facebook, if they're on YouTube, if they're on TikTok, wherever, awesome, go find them there. But then ascend that relationship by getting them off of that platform onto yours. That's the next step. That's the actual goal for me for social media. I don't care about likes or followers or subscribers. You look at my YouTube and you'll be like, this guy is sorry, like, I don't know, you know, I got a few hundred, maybe a few thousand views, whatever, right? But guess what? All those other producers that, you know, I shouldn't say all, some, many of those other producers who are getting, you know, a million views on their, on their, uh, their beat videos are making way less money and have way less customers because they're just not using some of those simple things that we've already talked about. That That's the important yeah. thing. Get them off that platform, get them onto yours. Yeah. And don't worry about vanity metrics, right? <laughs> That's right. Vanity metrics. Yes. Those no. likes, those comments, those, those subscribes, whatever they don't, they don't, you know, you can't, you can't cash them at the bank, right? Yeah. 100%. So I, I'm curious to know what your thoughts on this. Cause I, I still think it's so funny how 
for me, I just see this clear as day that, that like, you know, things like beat licensing and track licensing are becoming the wave of the future. There's even websites now where you can go and actually like lease. I have my music up on one called Rocket Songs. You can lease full blown like top lines. You know, you can lease music. I, do you think beat and track licensing and, and song licensing is like the wave of the future, meaning more and more artists will start leasing beats to save money and release more f- frequently? Is that where we're moving and kind of away from that old model? A hundred percent. I mean, we have been moving that way. Like the marketplace now for beats is huge, right? Compared to how yeah. it used to be. There's uh, on on uh, BeatStars alone, they they mentioned they have like two million, I think, producers on their on their platform, and there's a market for it. There's there's even more, you know, vocalists that are rappers and singers that are looking to buy beats. Um, so that's growing and growing. And I think that's really interesting what you said about top lines because one of the one of the things that that we've done with Legion Beats to be successful is we usually have beats with hooks. That's like very common. Is, is that we'll, what we'll do? And it's it, it's actually started from when I was more on the industry side. Every time pretty much every time I got a placement, every time I got a big opportunity, it was usually not because I just sent some beats or played some beats. It was because I played a beat with a hook. So now that artist or whoever hears it and they're like, oh, this already sounds amazing. I just have to record my verses. Bam. It's a no brainer. So we just kind of moved that over. Not, not that I was the first person to do this, but you know, we would like for a long time, every single beat we posted also had a hook and we'd post the instrumental and the hook version. And it, again, it just makes it like a no brainer. And more recently, we've been seeing more and more of that type of stuff with uh, with even verses as well, and we'll do features. Like we, I did a um, uh, a beat pack launch uh, late last year, you know, just a, a few months ago. That was um, included some verses from from a bunch of artists. We had we got like uh, Crooked Eye and Corrupt and um, a bunch of people, and we were able to license. We did deals with them where we were licensing those verses. So now they had beats. Sometimes they had hooks. Sometimes they even had a feature on it, right? And so those are all things where if you're a vocalist, you can start thinking about, I can actually make money by licensing my vocals. And you can put out a, a pack of hooks. And guess what? All these producers need hooks on their beats. You could, you know, record those hooks to whatever beats you want, some industry beats, your own, it doesn't matter. Then just sell the the acapellas, tell them what the tempo is, tell them what the key is. And like, bam, that's that's a business right there. So it's just created all these these new opportunities, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I love that. And and I w- I'm guessing that when you are leasing like um, a track that has like a, a hook, like a, a or a verse or a feature, that's a higher value and a higher price point. Uh, you know what? I personally haven't done it at a higher price point. Mm. We just kind of do it as part of the the work, right? Uh, yeah. But yes, sure. It's it's not to say that you couldn't do that. Absolutely. What I will say, maybe we didn't increase the price. But I can tell you for sure it increased our sales, right? That kind of goes right. back to that thing of like, okay, well, it's only 49 bucks. Yeah, but would you rather sell it, you know, zero times for $10,000 or would you rather sell it 10,000 times for 49 bucks? Well, I'm going to go with number two. And and part of that is because we did have those vocals where we are giving more value, you know, in, in the first place. Yeah, for sure. So, um this is kind of a, a question that I, I see a lot and I get a lot, and I'm curious to, to hear your, your response to this. Um, how long do you think it takes to turn this, this you know, beat making and beat leasing into a profitable business? Yeah. I mean, God, what a, what a impossible question, right? There's so many factors. <laughs> right. That's why I hesitated. I'm like, I don't even like love the no. nature of like how this is, but you know. It's a great question to ask because it's what everybody's thinking, right? So but it's but it is tough to answer because yeah, there's so many different factors that go into it. it it's you know um, 
how how much time have you spent on this part of your business on marketing on entrepreneurship on on learning this stuff how much time can you commit to it if you can commit um you know an hour a week you're going to make some progress but it's going to be a lot slower than somebody who can commit five hours a day right um and also yeah it's just tough because there's so many different factors i think that i mean for me in total it took like basically 20 years, right? For me to get to where I am today, I've been doing this for now a little over 20 years. Um, and I'd say it's probably the last four or five years that that things have been good, you know, to where I can comfortably pay my bills and, you know, I'm okay. So for me, it took like, yeah, it took a long time. It took over 10 years. I don't think it has to take that long. I think if I had learned some of the things that I learned today, if I had, you know, if I was, if I knew about produced like a boss, you know, when I first started and I've, and I, you know, learned this stuff early on, it didn't, wouldn't have to take that long. Um, it's just being committed to embracing that process too, not just working on my craft of music, of course, super important to have to do that, but also working on my craft of marketing, of entrepreneurship, of business. Um, and if you do that, then I think it can be a couple years, you know, and Hey, there's, Stories of people who do it super, super fast. And there's stories of people like me who are kind of slow and it took me over 10 years, but but now I'm doing okay. So um, I think one thing I will say about that is it, it, a lot of it is about mindset. It's about not giving up. And I'm so grateful I didn't give up because I was so, so close multiple times. Uh, in fact, it was really when I was like the most like, this is really it that I just happened to luck into this new thing that ended up opening up an entire world for me that I didn't even think I wanted or knew about. So I think that would be one thing. It's just, if you love to do this, then just just stick with it. Sometimes it's just the people who stick with it that are successful. Yep. It's usually not necessarily the most talented. Like, I'm not the most talented, that's for sure. It's not the smartest. It's it's basically the people who stick with it and and keep at it, really, that that end up being successful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. I always say like, I think talent's overrated, man. You know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not proud of the talent. I was like, I was born with that. It's like, I can't even take credit for that, but like anything that I've like sweated out, you know, and like had to grind or hustle to get, I'm like, that's a skill. That's consistency. Like that's, that's implementation, you know, like, Oh yeah. If that's I'm, what gets if I'm, anyone there. If I'm hiring somebody, if I'm going to work with somebody, talent is cool. But what I really want to know is, are you going to grind? Are you going to work? Are you going to stick with it? That's, that's worth way more, 100%. Yeah. Awesome. So so one of the things that I'm really passionate about is empowering artists and songwriters to learn how to record and produce themselves so that they can create more opportunities in the marketplace. Things like being able to track their own vocals and do session work or write custom songs for clients or kids songs or jingles or film and TV. And this also includes, you know, making beats. You know, the fact is that there are beat makers making six figures a year simply leasing beats and creating sample packs and stuff. Um, yep. And am I, am I right by saying that? This is definitely more your your lane and your zone, but that's right, right? Yeah, and there's a, there's a few of us making seven figures, but there's definitely hey. people making, <laughs> making five and six, just leasing beats. And, and it can be, you know, this, it's like kind of what you were alluding to earlier, this, this new, it's not that new, but, but it's, it's growing this model of, of licensing things is yes, you can, you can lease your beats. But what's interesting is like we, we launched, um, so, so Legion Beats is the name of our production team, but then we launched something called MIDI Money a couple years ago, which was where me and my buddy Adrian teach all this stuff. Right. And so it's been really cool to see 
like that shift and how how people are starting to to be successful with this. But what's interesting is we really we we what's the word? We titled it as here's how to sell beats basically. But then people took that information, producers took that information and started selling uh kits and packs and loops to other producers. They started selling VSTs and software. They started selling all kinds of stuff. We had a guy who took our whole course and how how we were laying the stuff out and started selling shoes. And like, so so it creates these new opportunities. And I think that includes, especially if you're a vocalist and a producer, that's like a huge advantage because now you can put hooks on those beats and now you can create all kinds of products to license. Like we were talking about earlier, just from your vocals too. You can sell those hooks because now there's a huge marketplace for producers who, who need those. You can, um, you know, sell. And one thing that we'll do sometimes is we will have that beat with a hook and two things. One is, a lot of times, even if they buy the instrumental, I think it helps to hear that vision of like, oh, this sounds good. Now that makes me like this beat more. Now let me put my own thing on it. Yep. And then another option that happens fairly often that we allow is, hey, if you like that hook, get the instrumental, model after that, you sing it yourself, right? It's like a version of, of songwriting, right? So I think it's, there's just all these different opportunities and you can just be creative, whether if you are a producer or a vocalist or especially both, that's pretty awesome um, to, to be creative because there's this huge marketplace, whether if it is artists or producers or, you know, TV and film or whatever it is, there's, there's just a lot of opportunities. Absolutely. Um, that just made me think of something as you were saying that, how do you work out the songwriting splits on a beat, um, both with a hook and without a hook? So as far as like publishing, we'll usually do, you know, 50, 50, if somebody put a hook on it, I feel like, um, I'm not going to start squabbling over 10% here. 10, you know, I, yeah, it's 50, 50. I don't know. Let's go 50, 50. Um, and that so, would yeah, be that, like, even if it didn't have a hook though, because as a producer, as, as the composer of the beat, if they're writing to your beat, um, that makes you automatically a, a co-writer. Right. Right. I just want to get uh, a lot of people. Yes, ask that. <laughs> for sure. So, but to be honest, my business doesn't really rely on publishing almost at all. I'm not, I'm not really, as interested in the back end money and trust me that's a awesome business model and there's people doing great it just happens to not really be mine so to me i want to know hey if i can make two hundred thousand dollars in a week selling this beat pack i don't really care yeah. about the publishing as much you know like that's great i think that's awesome if that can continue you know again i'm not putting it down it's just not my business model so i don't really care <laughs> you know yeah if, if somebody writes me you know if somebody says like hey i noticed in your your beat leasing contract it says publishing is 50 50 like I want all the publishing and and this is people are gonna get real mad at me right now i'll be like great take it i don't care like what yeah. you know um yeah so that that's that's my opinion and and I, this is while we're while we're on that at, at different times i've done this too where i've i've advertised that i've been like check it out you buy this beat pack right now you can keep 100 percent of the publishing you can keep 100 percent of your royalties you can keep 100 percent of your profits you know do that and that was another thing that differentiated me in the marketplace and allowed oh. me to do that now take this with a grain of salt. Uh, <laughs> there's a thousand producers listening. I don't know, listening to this right now who are like, this guy's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about, but it, there's different paths. There's different ways to offer value. There's different business models. So you have to figure out what works for you. And if you can figure out something that differentiates you in the marketplace, because everybody else is afraid to do it and it makes you a bunch of money and gives more value then cool. I'd say, I'd say go with that. 
I'm so happy you just went there. And it's one of those things that can, like you said, it can be hugely disruptive, right? Especially in the music industry where it's like, you know, like royalties and back end, like, but I I felt similar and for different reasons. I mean, I I wouldn't say I I went six figures as a producer with beat making per se. That was a part of what I was doing. But a huge part of what I was doing um, is just custom songwriting, right? And so upfront money has like kind of always been like the focus for me. And so the back end has always been like, yeah, whatever. I've never really chased down with this scarcity mindset. Like, what if this becomes the next big hit? Um, That's kind of like worried I'm going to win the lottery. (laughs) You know, it's like the... And it's not that it couldn't happen, but it's just like, it's like you got to, and you can't give advice about that, right? It's like you just did. It's like, you got to do what works for you. And I feel very similar to what you just said, where my focus has just been kind of like, you know, how can I, how can I start getting some cash flow going up here at front? And it's like, oh, that's great. Oh, that's, oh, I got my royalties from BMI today. Great. Yeah. But it just, it just (laughs) hasn't been my focus. Um, So yeah, I think, I think we've got some, something similar. And then again, I just want to be very clear. I'm not knocking, like there are people who make a great living just off of those publishing checks. Like that's awesome. If that's your business model, it's just, it just hasn't been mine. Totally. Um, Well, Hey, I got one more thing that I wanted to talk to you about before I let you go today. And it's more of a mindset and a mental health thing. Um, I listened to one of your podcasts and you spoke about anxiety and you said something really really interesting about the person that you had to become to get to where you are today. And it really hit home for me as somebody who struggles, who struggled with anxiety, like my whole life. And I know that a lot of my audience, I know a lot of our audience as artists are in the same boat. And so I just love to hear if you could speak to some ways that you've either coped with or conquered um, anxiety. Yeah. Well, I'll say uh, some bad news. I have not conquered it. I feel anxious (laughs) just about every day, but I have been able to accomplish more than I ever would have thought was possible. You know, I've also dealt with anxiety my whole life and continue to. And I've had times where it was so bad that I literally couldn't leave my bedroom, you know, debilitating. And in those times, I would have never imagined that I'd be get the opportunity to speak on a podcast or on stage in front of 5,000 people at Funnel Hacking Live or, uh, you know, be part of something that's going to help transform an industry or like and none of that was anywhere near on my radar as a possibility. Um, but that's what this game has done for me. That's It's opened up that possibility. And it, it didn't start from, okay, I'm like curled up in my bed uh, to now the next day I'm on stage, right? It was always incremental. It was like, okay, well, let me just try selling some beats online. And then it was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Okay, let me learn this next thing. And let me learn this next thing. And let me keep going to this next thing. And then it was like, okay, if I want to if I want to get to this next step, now I have to like start showing my face. I might have to start doing some video. That is so far from who I am. But the only way that I can do that is by becoming a person who does that. I, I wasn't that person. It was literally not the human that I was. And then... Well, how do you do it? You just start doing it. And then it's super awkward and super uncomfortable and anxiety, all that kind of stuff. But then you do it the next time, it's a little bit less. And then honestly, you do it the next time and then it's more all of a sudden you're like, what what happened? But ultimately it keeps getting better and better and you keep working on that process. And um, now I've gone from, you know, uh, having that debilitating anxiety to dealing with it, but now waking up and feeling 
um, excited to to get the opportunity to hopefully inspire others to you know have a, a team that I work with to you know be able to help mentor other people and 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 be able to talk to amazing people like yourself like this is incredible and um, I think it's something that is possible for literally anybody and and it's always that that voice is so tough right that that anxiety voice that that depression voice of like yeah but I'm different. He, I, I get it. I've heard other people say that, but for me, I'm really broken. That could, you know, and that I had those thoughts too. And so hopefully there's a little bit of hope there that even if the, you're having that thought right now, but yeah, but, but Chris Bradley's different, but you know, Gabe's different, you know, we're not, we're not like we, oh, I, I should speak for myself. I've had those thoughts all the time, you know, and, and like I said, I still have them sometimes, but, um, it's absolutely possible and it starts incrementally and, and maybe don't think, okay, I'm, I'm wherever I am today and tomorrow I can, you know, have a seven figure business and all this kind of stuff. No, just think about, well, maybe tomorrow I can be 1% better. Maybe I can, maybe I can just have, maybe I can at least hold in my head that it's possible that things could get a little better. Let me just start there. And then, and then let's, and then let's work on the next step and then let's work on the next step and let's just keep let's just keep making some momentum forward and forward. And eventually you look back and you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe how far I've come. Yeah. I love that. Oh, dude, that was amazing. Oh <laughs> uh, man. What an epic interview. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I, I super appreciate it. <clears throat> Seriously. I've been oh, following man. you for a while. I'm like that guy. When I saw you speak at funnel hacking live, I'm like, I'm going to know that guy one day. <laughs> We're going to chat one day. I think you're awesome. I think what you're doing is amazing. I'm a fan of yours. And uh, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to to hop on your podcast and and uh, speak to you and your audience. So thank you. Oh, you got it. And you know, I, I know that you had sent over um, a training for my audience that I'd love to share on today's podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and drop the, the link for that in the show notes. Um, could you tell us what the name of the, the training is? how we, and that's me and my buddy, Anno Domini made, you know, over a million dollars selling beats online without relying on a, a beat store, without relying on a huge social media following. Um, and really without before that having any experience in marketing, in tech, in any of that kind of stuff. And it's just showing that process exactly how we've both been able to do that and how you can do that as well. Oh my gosh, that's so, so exciting. And hey, everyone, please make sure to check out the Midi Money podcast. It is amazing stuff. Gabe is always just dropping gems. He he has got great guests and even the solo shows. Everything's just amazing. Gabe, where can yeah, everyone- Yeah, and check out, check out the episode that you were on um, on the Mini Money Podcast. Yes. I will drop a link for that too. Right I, I, got to, I got to be on the Mini Money Podcast and that was so much fun. So I'll drop that in the show notes. And then really quick, where can everyone find you on socials? Um, so best place is probably Instagram at Legion Gabe. Um, and you can just search for Legion Beats or MIDI Money and, and we'll pop up pretty much everywhere. Okay. Thanks so much, Gabe. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good one. All right, you guys. Well, I hope you got a lot of value and inspiration out of today's episode. And if you'd like to catch the free training where Gabe is going to break down exactly how him and Anno Domini made over a million dollars selling beats, just head to midimoney.com slash Chris. And I'll also drop that in the show notes. All right. As per usual, I'm going to take us out with something that I produced and I'm, I'm feeling in like a beat making mood. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to drop one of my beats from Boombox Productions. This one's called Summer Nights. Boom, <laughs> 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs>